Welcome to The Realtor Lady. I'm Michelle Riplogle. And today my guest is Jacqueline Stibe and she's with Vista Sotheby's International. And I'm so excited to have her as a guest. She's a realtor in Southern California, but also a podcaster. So I think there'll be a lot of good information here. And I am looking forward to hearing everything you have to tell me about your market and hopefully towards the end podcasting. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your area, and then I really, I really want to hear about your market. I think I always learn as a realtor, I, I had a San Francisco agent on and one from Northern California. And, you know, I really learned a lot from them that actually helped my buyers and sellers here. It's, it's a big community. So tell me about yourself. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. A little bit about myself. I am a former school teacher in my past life, um, I have four children. And then when my twins came around, I was ready to go back into the elementary school, into that type of job. But obviously I still need a flexibility to raise now twin boys. And I switched gears and I started my real estate business. I'm original from Mexico. So yes, that accent doesn't go away. I've been in this country for over 20 years. I live in Redondo Beach, California. So I work the South Bay cities. We call the South Bay, there's seven cities. North um, El Segundo, Manhattan Beach, California, Redondo Beach, California, Hermosa Beach, California, Torrance, Lawndale, and Hawthorne. Lawndale and Hawthorne obviously do not have oceanfront, but they're part of our very close community. All of those markets are very different. They're within a 10 minute drive from each other. Some of them literally are across from each other, but the difference, they're all a hot market right now because the country is just on fire. We all want a new home. We all want the extra space. We are seeing multiple offers. We have in fact in LA County a 25% of year to year price increase. So if you can only imagine if you're a buyer right now, you need to make sure that you have all of your finances on lined up and you're ready to go and you find somebody who could really help you and is looking after you because I have some bad stories about agents who are just looking after themselves and not their clients. You also need your clients to listen. Of course, we have to make sure that uh, when you go to the doctor, you listen to the doctor because of their knowledge. Right. When you come to us, we are here to advise you and we have gathered so much knowledge and experience that when we say things, listen up, we're, we're not really looking after us. There is liability and we're protecting you from a big lawsuit. You're not thinking about those things. Those are our jobs. But listen, <laughs> we have two ears and one mouth. I, um, I, two years ago, maybe three years ago, I had a buyer after just seeing four houses, they wrote an offer and they countered and they got it. It was only three offers at that point they were competing against, but they really wanted the house. They listened to me, they got it. And they said, oh, my friends said they haven't been able to get a house in six months. And, and what did I do differently? And I said, well, I didn't do anything differently. You did something differently. You listened to your real estate agent. 
and they just they were like oh yeah we thought you knew what you were doing and we got the house so i mean they just they picked up on that right away and he, was just, he just kind of like, oh right it makes such a big difference in especially in this market when you are i'm telling you let's okay at this price point we can expect to see 20 20 other offers so when i'm writing your offer please don't ask me to lowball them or to offer a lower than expected earnest deposit you're just shooting yourself right there might as well don't even bother writing because you're not going to be you're not going to be honored so um, tell me, uh, give me an example. What's your latest, um, it doesn't mean that you had to, you actually had to secure the house, but what's your latest example of uh, multiple offers? And I mean, just give me a scenario uh, of your market and uh, kind of an example. So for example, um, I'm working right now with this buyers and they're buying in Redondo Beach. The townhome market asking price is 1.6 we submit a stronger offer. We were at 1.65, $1,650,000. We were among the lowest offers. We had no appraisal contingency, no loan contingency, but whoever came in decided to write an offer with no contingencies, which is good if you are only looking to buy the dirt. But if you're looking to move into the house legally, I can see lots of things wrong with that offer. Yeah. So you had a physical contingency. That's where you had a chance to check the property out. We are putting in a five-day physical contingency. Yes. Also, you know that unless the seller has provided all of the disclosures ahead of time, I really, it's meaningless for me to write non-contingent. Is the moment you give me the moment the seller's agent gives me a document that opens up the contingency period for my client to review those documents, regardless of what's on the contract. In fact, the contract in California gives the buyer that right. So non-contingency, okay, I have done that multiple times, but I like to prepare my sellers. They get front-loaded with all of the disclosures. So if you, Michelle, are bringing me an offer, my response to you is, here are all of the disclosures. Go take a look at it and let me know if you need to change anything within your offer. Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do the same thing here. We get all the inspections up front. We get everything done up front. Um, it's not customary down here to do all of the inspections up front, mm-hmm. which is why we leave, yeah. Um, Southern California, we don't do that yet. Some people do that if we have a property that needs a lot of work. I like to, uh, I like to, I like for my seller to know what to expect. So I like to bring in termite inspectors. Some of the properties are just beautiful. We know there's nothing going to be found, but there are properties that we know we're going to need something. I like to get in, bring in my, my, um, I like to bring my um, inspectors so we can take a look and see. What's expect? Obviously, in this market, some people are thinking, whatever, put in the um, tear down. Everybody's going to remove all of the contingencies, and let's just go for it. Yeah, we have um, we we do them up front. I I found that buyers typically take any disclosure that they can get, and they like to add zeros to any reports they find you know 
oh, there's something here, something there that's going to cost thousands of dollars to fix. That's fine. That's up to the buyer to decide or even that agent. But when I can bring it to the seller first and go, look, this is what this buyer is going to think about this. Let's just get it done, get it out there. And then that information just is out. And it's not like they're running around doing all these inspections and then bringing it back to you and going, look what I found. And I'm going to take this much off the price. Our market's a lot for that, but still it is, it's happened before. So what's your median price down there? So because of um, my Lawndale, Hawthorne and Torrance properties, our median price is around $700,000. However, you are not able to buy anything in the city of Manhattan Beach, California for that price. So, <laughs> we do have our homes where our oceanfront, the Strand, and they're $8 million, $9 million. So that, uh, that medium price point is what city are we talking about? What, again, there are seven cities that are super close, but they are so individual and they are so different in price. For example, a single family home right now, a part of lot in the city of Redondo is going for $1.5 million. That same lot in Manhattan, we're talking 2 million. And how much would it be to actually like put a house on there? Another 2 million or what's the... uh, It would be about a million. We have, we have similar, we have the west side of Santa Cruz, think kind of the boardwalk area. Then we have another resort area, just kind of almost at the opposite end which is, in my opinion, a little bit better price, but the weather isn't as optimum, in my opinion. And then we have Capitola. We have all these little areas. We don't, they're not a bunch of cities. We kind of have Santa Cruz City, Santa Cruz County, and then a, bunch, a couple little cities in there. Um, and they are all different, but we also have horse property. We have mountain property. We have oceanfront property. It just, And then they have all their little prime spots and all of their um, oceanfront right now is about, you can get oceanfront for three to four million here still. So if you go up down south Palito Bed, which is essentially 30 minutes to the Palos Verdes Peninsula, that is where we have our um, horse property. Uh, and uh, we call it behind the gates, up the hill and all of that. So at the average price on that um, city, there's the peninsula, it's made out of three cities. Palos Verdes Estates, Rolling Hills, and Rancho Palos Verdes. And you work there, in our areas? There, um, that's my Tuesday place. I do love the hill. The whole quality of life is completely different. It makes me think of um, going up to, to the country, so to speak, because we have the beach cities are just the fun the fun party thing. Kind of reminds me of the college scene, so to speak, with that vibe of a lively family friendly cities and all of that everything is close distance you can walk to the beach to the restaurant um, within essentially the city of Manhattan is one mile square mile that's the whole city uh, <laughs> and then in 20 minutes you find yourself looking at this beautiful bluff which is the Palos Verdes Peninsula and and you're surrounded by trees all of the cities have amazing, amazing um, school districts. So if that's important to you, and I think that's why they keep their value, as we know. And um, so within those areas, uh, what's your industry? What drives your, your who's working where and, and who's, who's buying these homes? 
so we have Northern Bremen, which is our uh, our space industry, literally on the corner of Redondo and Manhattan Beach. So the TRW track in the city of North Redondo was built just for them way back on the um, on the four on the um, on the forties for all of their engineers. So we have Mattel, Boeing, uh, Northern Bremen. We have we have everything in here. We have Google. I mean, Do you, you name it, we have it here. <laughs> you have a lot of industry. So you have um, people living and working. I mean, because we're a second. I mean, we're about a 40%, maybe 35, 40, maybe. I don't know. We're a pretty large second home bedroom community for people who just have another home here. So you have a lot of people who actually live and work in your area. We have a lot of um, our second home market. Those ones tend to be Manhattan, Hermosa. And uh, because you're obviously at the beach, you are oceanfront and all of that. We have those. That's our second home market. Primarily first time, first homes. Yeah. Yeah. Primary homes. We have a lot of people from over the hill that come here and they do buy their first home, but we also have a lot of them that have come here and have their second home. Okay, so, and then, so Manhattan Beach, you said got up to 8 million? That's your ocean front. yeah. We actually had a property on, um, again, if you cross the street, you're in Hermosa. Um, the a property that's worth for $15 million. Again, the view that you have, you have, you can have views from Malibu, all the way to Palos Verdes. And if you're lucky enough, depending on your location, um, sometimes you can see Catalina Island too. So we have what we call the Queen's Necklace. If you're up in Palos Verdes looking north, you can literally see, pretend you have a neck and the ocean waves are crashing onto, onto the base of your neck and that's the white water. So that's what is called the Queen Necklace. Um, just amazing, beautiful views with the city, nightlife. Um, you can, some properties in Torrance, even in Manhattan, Redondo, you can see downtown LA and you can see the skyscrapers. And it is June gloom right now over here. So we get that. Um, What's the, the gloomy hottest weather? it gets there? Sorry? What's the hottest it gets there? Oh, so our normal normal weather we're talking about it 72 degrees the hottest it's a beautiful summer day where it's maybe 85 um and that's two times two weeks out of the whole year remember we are by the ocean so it's not too hot we do complain once in a while and we want to be well, we're by the ocean but we've been on the high high 90s and 100 and we will probably this year too we've been getting really hot really really no hot. we 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 don't hit the hundreds. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds kind of well. We but we cool down at night. We do have our air conditioner. People always ask if houses have air conditioner. I said, yeah, they're windows. Just open See, them. <laughs> most of our homes do not have air conditioning. If you're buying a new build, a new construction, then you have your air conditioning, but not not most of them. Yes, open your windows and you get the beautiful ocean breeze. Well, that sounds good. I'm sold. Um, so tell me some, um, you were telling me about a townhome and you were the lowest offer. So did you guys get a counter offer on that? Did you get a? 
a response? We did get a response, but I can get you a brand new construction for 1.7. So my clients were like, let's just move on to the new to the new building instead of buying this older home for the price of the new one. So that's where we are. Do you have a lot of new construction? That's part of our problem here is we don't have any new homes. Um, you know, we're actually selling them off market. So uh, the ones, for example, in the city of Redondo, North Redondo right now has available uh, five new construction projects. The rest have already sold. Yeah. But even so, even if, I mean, off-market doesn't seem as fair to the general public, but at the same time, you're still taking a buyer out of the market that might give another buyer a chance. I mean, that's inventory. We just, we're not getting new inventory. We, we don't get new stuff. And I think that's also the advantage of working with a professional who is fully involved in the industry. If you're just a buyer out there looking on your own, I hate to tell you this, it's going to take you a long time because I, for example, this is my full-time business. So if you're my client, I'm looking after you in ways that you're not even thinking of because I have my contacts. I have a great network. And if I hear that something is coming, I can get you in today. Yep. Which do us a buyer, you don't have that. Yeah, I had a buyer call me. Oh, I think it was last fall. He said him and his wife had spent the summer trying to do it on their own and realized that they needed to get a professional. And within um, two weeks, I had them in something off market. There, that's the reason why we don't pull our own teeth. I get it when we're kids, <laughs> it's the emotion of like, ooh. I have a loose tooth. Let's tie it up to the door or something like that. But as you get older, you don't do that. When you have a toothache, you go to the professional. Same thing with real estate. When you're ready to sell or buy, please do yourself a favor. Hire a professional. I, you know, I think my journey, podcasting certainly helped too. But my journey this last year through COVID was to really understand the value I bring the market. I just wasn't giving myself enough credit and I'm not here to toot my own horn. I'm here to help people understand when you get a professional who has a lot of experience and a lot of great contacts and good professional relationships, it just, it pays off. It, it's, it, it's there, you can't even put a price on it. And we just got broker tours back and that's been pretty exciting. And it's not just to go see a property before open houses, but you know, I was able to get in front of an agent who, can be a little hard to get a hold of. Not, she picks up her phone, but she's a little hard to connect with. So I got, you know, I was able to get eyeball to eyeball with her, which was really good in case my buyers were interested in that property. I really needed that connection. So it's, it's super exciting to have this. That is the thing that we're missing. We're missing that human connection and the ability to go and talk to our peers and say, how are you? We connect with agents at a um, human level. So when we present them a business transaction and offer, we already have a relationship with them and they know that they can trust us. Our business is all about trust, honesty, loyalty. And it's not only between the agents, it's also between our clients. So when we have that going around the whole transaction, buyer, buyer's agent, seller, and seller's agent, we can play this dance, so to speak, as we get through the 30-day escrow or however long we decided 
state decided to to take this transaction we can we can be civil we can do things the right way and make sure that everybody comes out as the winner the seller and the buyer achieve their goal we're just there to facilitate that conversation so yes i totally agree with you um yesterday we were doing our rounds for brokers in redondo and they was about the oh my god i miss seeing you um the house is beautiful but let's just talk about us <laughs> I, I i think there was still some pensiveness i saw a few people and they were just like eh, i don't know you know there's still it was just still good to see their face even though we you know weren't having huge conversations um it's still about the level of comfort how close do you want me to get with you some of us are like oh my god i miss you come and give me a hug and that's okay some other people are like hey hi stay far away from me i'll respect that um, and you, you, you told me a, a war story before we started recording. You got some funny stories for me. So I was telling you the importance of hiring somebody who knows the ins and outs of a, of a transaction. I have, we just closed this deal where I represented the seller and the buyer's agent took it upon himself to bring the air conditioning guy he was helping me to get the um, termite clearance. And the um, inspector that we hired said that he wanted to be able to crawl all underneath the foundation of the property, but there were some ductwork that was kind of blocking him. He didn't want to touch it. And the, air, the buyer's agent brought his AC guy to see if he could crawl all around. While he's there, he authorizes for the air conditioning guy to update the whole system underneath the house. I remind you, I'm not present. I don't get a phone call authorizing any of this work. Two weeks later, I get two invoices for the work that was done. My reply is, uh, I didn't authorize this. My seller didn't authorize this. You're paying for it. So he comes back to me telling me, if you don't pay, I'm canceling the contract. So here, go back, very legal on you. Sotheby's has an amazing brand. There are so many resources that we have. So I reach out to my legal counsel and I present the scenario. And she goes, very simple. Let's go back to the paper. Let's go back to that offer that they made, the purchase agreement, chapter 12D tells the buyer, if you or your agent makes any changes to the property, while you're under escrow, you are liable, you're responsible, and these invoices are essentially yours. So when you're telling me you're gonna cancel, that's okay, you can cancel, you're breaching the contract, we get to keep your security deposit, and by we, I mean the seller. And guess what? That bill is still yours. Yeah. So here you go. You could do whatever you want with it, um, anyways, it took about a week of him going back and saying, tell your seller to pay for it. I'm like, I'm not even going to bother with it. I did talk to my seller very lightly. Oh, funny thing is happening, but uh, I'm not asking you to pay for it. It's not your responsibility. If as a buyer, you find out during your inspections that this air conditioning system, in fact, needed to be updated, the right way to do it send a request for repairs. I remind you that at this point, we already have FHA um, clearance. We have, we're just days to closing. 
nothing has been called regarding the air conditioning. So there are proper avenues of doing it. And he was trying just to say, well, I thought it needed to be done. We can think, but there are certain ways for us to really know what needs to be done and how to do it. So don't, don't authorize, first of all, buyers, don't authorize your agents just to go and change things to a property that doesn't belong to you. Did that buyer, did that buyer, oh my gosh, there's some feedback here. The buyer ended up closing and the buyer's agent had to pay for the air conditioning. The buyer's agent had to, oh my. He wow. authorized it. And apparently his How much buyer was? wasn't willing to help. It was couple thousand. Ouch. So I should just um, interject right here. Um, in Northern California, it's not required to provide section one clearance for a termite inspection or a termite report. So if we have a, a termite report inspection done and there's a there's section one mark on there, it's generally just a disclosure. It's not a mandatory thing that, that sellers have to do. This was an FHA property, so for that we were required to. Um, that's true, but don't don't you require? I mean, I've worked with people who that were from LA and said that it was required there, and they had to do it. Uh, for FHA, conventional, we have for FHA MBA they require, and you need to have this certificate for a conventional. I, I yeah, I know, but I mean. It required just for normal sales that is not required anymore or it's not a thing okay um yeah especially when i did a lot of um, short sales and foreclosures the banks would be located in la and they would have the report done and they would have the section one work done or credited to the buyer and we would be like you don't have to do that and they were like yes we do and that's the interesting thing about um when a buyer brings a bank that is out of state and they're trying to do things based on their requirements and we're like, wait a minute, we in California don't do that. Like, what kind of loops are you trying to make me jump to achieve something that's not required on my state in order for your loan to go through across the borders? So yeah, we, we definitely prefer to have lenders that are near us so they know they know the market and also our appraisers, they need to know the market. Oh, In yeah. my case with our cities, they are so, they're so different. Yes, they are within a mile from each other, but you cannot use those comps. And sometimes we have seen that we have an out of area, Orange County appraiser coming in here and they wanna use a comp that is beautiful in size, is perhaps is the perfect comp. The problem is that it's in a different city. So to us, uh, yes, size-wise is great, but you must throw that away because it is across the street. That means there's a whole different city there. It doesn't compare. Mm, interesting. Are you having um, trouble getting appraisals scheduled? We are having a horrendous time. It, there is a delay right now. So we have been advised to Please, if you need an appraisal in your contract, keep it to 14, 17 days because everybody is so, so booked. Yeah, we are, we're having that trouble here. I also kind of started sensing that the 
local appraisers, not only were they not picking up difficult properties, so if it felt like it was going to take them a lot of time, they would just go through the list and they would pick out an easier one because I had a condo appraised within a couple of days of going into contract, a little one bedroom, one bath condo, just, you know, really quick. And then I had a more complicated property. We could not get anybody to pick it up. But then I also started understanding that we were working with an out of area lender. And I started to getting the idea that the appraisers were also saying, I don't want to work for out of area people. And you know, I had to tell the lender, he was a nice guy. And I had to tell the buyer, we're, we're not succeeding. And the common denominator is you. You're just too far away. And granted, they went to a larger bank, but for whatever reason, that bank was able to get it done and we got it appraised. And it's, you know, it, but I was surprised. I didn't know that it was, I thought it was a little bit more democratic than that, I guess I should say. It makes a big difference. I know that in the eyes of the public, perhaps when we suggest you use somebody local, not just to list, but to buy, there are reasons, and those are the big factors. So when you see as a listing agent, you have all of these offers coming from agents all over the place. Some of them don't really know the value of your city. That makes it very hard for us to highly recommend our sellers to go without offer yeah. for multiple factors. Yeah, the bank, yeah, we know the appraiser. We uh, we never heard these people. <laughs> we don't know who they are. They work in a completely different market. So um, we actually we were joking in my office the other day talking about checking the inventory and the listing agent put in a completely, the, the address was south on the street and we're like, South, where is that? The street runs east to west. I'm like, that's how crazy they are. Like, you don't even know what you're selling. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look good. It actually looks good for us who are local because we can advise you and we can use you as the wall of, of shame. Like, would you rather hire somebody who has no idea what they're doing? They don't know the market uh, or you have the agents who due to their lack of knowledge, they are pricing so low. Yeah. Nobody wants to receive 20, 30, 60 offers just because your agent put you through that hell, as we call it. Yeah, they weren't, no, they weren't. They aren't paying attention. Um, my biggest pet peeve right now is um, non-professional photos. Oh, yeah, those are lovely. Let, let me get my phone. I love photography, by the way. I take um, some beautiful pictures, but I hire my own photographer for homes. And yeah, my phone has beautiful cameras and all of that, but I don't need to see your fingers. Or guess what? I don't need to see my face reflected on that mirror as I'm trying to buy. And we still see those out there. What about, what about the pictures of toilets? I love pictures of toilets. So many pictures. See, of the beautiful thing about my company is that we have standards. So there are certain pictures that you will never see on our listing. Very we nice. all know a toilet. Come on, even if it is one of those gold-plated toilets, we're not going to put it on our pictures. That, or, or can we have turned the light on or opened the curtain? I mean, you know, the dark, like haunted photos. Those just, you know, we have a six million dollar property listed right now, and that guy took them himself. The guy that <sighs> the, the agent took the pictures himself, and they are horrible. 
And you could just imagine the seller sitting down with them, having a beer, a cup of coffee and going, I just don't know why this isn't selling. And, you know, the rest of us are just all rubbing our foreheads going, you know, this is just this is crazy. See, especially right now with, um, well, things are opening more again, but during COVID, when we could not go out and tour the homes, when we were um, relying on marketing, we were so thankful that we were so ahead of the game with our uh, virtual reality tours, with our uh, 3D tours and our excellent photography. So we have videos of all of our properties. We have a website where you can go and play. Actually had a seller who said, oh my God, I don't think I need that much work. My property needs that much exposure. And we're like, well, that's a standard. At least it comes with our brand. We are required to have a certain quality, not just in pixelation for our pictures, but we're represented. We, we're a brand. So Sotheby's is a brand. We have expectations. And yes, uh, if you like to hire an agent who takes their own photos, we're all laughing at him because they don't know what they're doing. They're not a photographer. You're an agent, so you have to stay in your lane. I like it. I'm I'm sold. I'm gonna to move to Sotheby's. Come on in. We don't we don't have one in our area. Well, that we can fix that. <laughs> I'll open a franchise. Uh, <laughs> I moved to Coldwell Banker. It's gonna be three years this August. I absolutely love it. I've worked for boutiques, and so then I moved to the the corporate side, and I like the safety net of it all. It just it does it feels pretty good like that a lot so we have while it is a big brand and it is a global brand we love the connection that we make among the among the agents it's all about the friendships that we create it's all about helping each other and it's all about elevating our industry and not just within Sotheby's but the whole real estate industry yeah yeah, that's awesome. So tell me a little bit about your podcast, the name and, and what's your theme and, and your, what, what do you do? So the idea of my podcast, Coast to Coast Real Estate, came based on that Sotheby's network that we have. There is, uh, as part of our internal system, there is a way where we can connect with all of the agents. And I felt that that was very selfish, that the only people who had access to that was us, was the agents. So I decided to bring that network and put it out to the public in the form of a podcast. So in it, every week, I bring an agent from all around the world and we get to know them. And then we get to know the difference on their markets. And some cities use attorneys for closing, some of them don't, just little things that are so different from. Southern California to Northern California to New York City, Spain, any part of the world. So that's the whole idea to showcase, to showcase the agents in different parts of the world and have them share who they are because not every single one of us grew up wanting to be uh, a realtor. Some of them have, but uh, we all have different dreams. And at the end, the dream is to to help our clients achieve their real estate goals. So that's the podcast. Here's every Friday. Friday. Uh, today's show talks with, I take you to Rhode Island with um, Robert Rodley. 
and he has some interesting stories. He actually sold um, Lisey Borden's home. Who? Lisey Borden. Do you know the famous? Borden. Oh, Lizzie Borden's house. Oh my gosh. The one where she rumored to kill the family? Uh, her forever home, her big mansion afterwards. So it's. Yeah, because she moved to another house after that one. Yeah, $3 million okay. mansion. Wow. How fun is that? Yeah, so I get to meet some very interesting people and from all over the world. And I have that ability due to, again, that Sotheby's network and that desire to help each other. So that yeah, how do you the, find them? You network through Sotheby's to get them to come on? Again, we have an internal network where we can all connect with each other. And there's, besides Facebook and all of that, we have a global conference, g &E, We have our ninja trainings. There are so many opportunities for all of us where we get to connect that uh, I literally, they're my phone, <laughs> they're my part of my contacts. And if I call any of the main brokers of the company and say, hey, I need help, I need more people, they, they all open me, they all open their contact book for me too. Very nice, very nice. I'm hoping to get a few more um, vendors. I've talked to a historian. I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more open, but that that sounds enticing too, to talk to some agents from different areas um, outside of California. What I've noticed talking to you and the other two gals I've talked to, our markets aren't really that different, which is interesting. They really aren't. They're all on fire. We don't have enough inventory. I, I'd say San Francisco's still the winner in that they price for an auction. And it has to be highest and best. So they they put pretty much everything at nine ninety nine, and then where you come in is where you get it. Yeah. When so every week, besides my podcast, every week I have a coaching call where we jump in, and I have agents from all across the um, United States, and we all talk about our market. And since the beginning of COVID, we all figured out that the market is the same. We are all experiencing the same thing. We have the desire to be on a better place. Some of us need that extra office. Some of us just need the outdoor space where we can go breathe fresh, fresh air. So all of the markets across the board have this demand. Obviously, New York City and Miami, those places with big high rises at the beginning of COVID had it, uh, a deep they, they took a dive, they were hurt. But as people started to realize, they got very smart because of their prices dropping inventory. Buyers were coming and taking them as an investment property. So uh, those markets are not longer hurting. They are again on fire. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's just, it doesn't last for long, really. No, it doesn't last for long. I think it's it was just the highest falling kind of thing for all of us, where at the beginning, we didn't know what we were going to do, what was going to happen with all of us, whether we were safe or not. And as we got more information and we were able to see that it's okay to go outside of your house, uh, things started to pick up and the anxiety has left us. And now we're all just waiting to go back to some kind of normal. That may not be the way we had it before, but we are back out and play in and our kids are back at school and we are we're safe we're some of us lost a lot some of us lost some love our loved ones and that will never 
we will never get that back. But at the same time, we have gained a lot of things. We have connected with those around us. So yeah, market's still hot everywhere you go. And I think now we're all looking for a place where we can invite all of our friends and we can accommodate them. So if you have a pool house, you're the, <laughs> you're the popular friend right now. Well, I'm having an open house tomorrow, and um, I'm, I'm. It's just interesting because of all the logistics I have to think about that I forgot about. I mean, I did open houses all the time, and now I'm like, oh yeah, we're gonna put the signs, and you know, just all the stuff that I've kind of just stopped thinking about. So I've got to get ready for that. But um, it's 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 kind of fun, and it's nice that sellers have some more alternatives to get people through their house. And it's I want to, go ahead. I was going to say, still very important. Remember, we all fall in love with the property online first. Whether you're yeah. using a mobile app or the MLS, the link that your agent is sending you, those pictures must be high quality and they must present this house on the best light. Even if it's a fixer. You have to show people the layout. You have to show people that they can dream and um, reimagine the property. So please don't allow your agent to take their own pictures. <laughs> I had a listing last year where I had the pictures professionally taken and I staged it and I kind of told the photographer all the angles. I had two agents call me after the showings and said, you took good pictures they didn't like the property at all. And they were super mad that I had gotten them there. And I was like, hey, my job's to get you there. And I got you there, you know, and they were like, well, and it's, you know, and this photographer that actually took the pictures, he wasn't the greatest. This guy was late. He barely put his parking brake on and jumped out and took the photos. I mean, this guy was just really unprofessional. But with my guidance and, and their camera and everything, the pictures were phenomenal. And the property was only listed at like 425. It was this, it doesn't, I guess I just want to say be, before we go on the professional photographer, that's the slant we're on. It doesn't matter the price point. It's super important. It's just, it's so important. It doesn't matter if it's 20 million or 200,000. It just really makes a big difference. The buyer decides whether they want to walk that property based on those pictures. So if you have quality pictures, you have increased your opportunities to get more buyers to walk your home. Right. And then what I tell sellers is when you get an offer, you know, you've gotten the highest possible price because you got all those eyeballs. You got the, your first impression was good. The syndication's great when the, when the pictures are beautiful, everybody picks those up. Right. I mean, that just, they just go around the world. Um, and then when you get that offer and it's like, well, this isn't quite what I wanted, but you know, the presentations there, you're looking at the reports, there's tons of eyeballs on it. You can go confidently in and, and know that you did get the highest price. So that that's what I tell people. I love when we have the ability, at least in my network, we have the ability to see where those eyeballs are coming from because we can track with all of our, our statistics and our, so our machine, our Sotheby's machine, pushes all of our listings to 7,500 websites all around the world. Yep. And we can track every single click all around the world. So we like to, every Monday after a listing goes live, we'd like to provide that to our sellers. Here's what's going on. Here's where the eyeballs are coming from. And numbers don't lie. 
at the end of the day, well, people are looking at it. Here's the offer that you have. And yes, you know that this is your best offer. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jacqueline, I want to thank you so much for coming on and, and changing the time for the other gal. I really appreciate that. Tell me about your podcast and your market. I have to say I'm a little enticed by the weather because it does get kind of hot here. I grew up here in my area. This is where I'm from. I don't remember being this hot when I was a kid. So we're, we're experiencing some global warming here, I think. See, I grew up in Mexico, uh, original from Guadalajara. Then I traveled and I lived on all of the coastal towns. I came here in 1998 and haven't left. So when I first came here, I was like, oh my God, this country is cold. I remind you, the beautiful weather is, <laughs> beach weather is 70 degrees, wearing short sleeves right now. Um, I'm wearing a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's beautiful outside, even though it's overcast, June stars bloomy, the fog comes in, but it's only in the morning that we know that the the sunshine is there. You can still hit the water and go swimming. Uh, go surfing. So I definitely love it here. And I think that's what we have a Mediterranean weather. Yeah. So well, yeah. what's there not to love? I'm, I'm, I'm coming down there. I'm going to move. Maybe you can introduce me to a good realtor. <laughs> I'm, I will have to check my network and find out <laughs> somebody who fits with you. You know, that's the other important thing. I think sometimes people feel uh, intimidated when they meet somebody and they perhaps don't want to break our feelings and say, you know what? I don't think I want to work with you. Yeah. You will not want to work with everybody. There is a reciprocal relationship. You must find somebody who fits your personality and your needs. And believe me, sometimes we don't want to work with you. So we're not offended. It's just that we all have different personalities and some of us clicks and some of us done. So if you're looking to sell, please, interview more than one person or if you enter this is what I also tell people if you interview a person and you like them and you you know you want to work with them just work with them because I have gone on a few listing appointments where I could see it in their eyes they already had someone else in mind and they were just doing this interview because they thought they had to they didn't just waste my time they wasted their time they were already they were already sold on that other person it's okay if you think that's the person then just go yeah, if you're committed, then let's just not waste anybody's time. But if you're still, you have a doubt, then yes, go ahead and interview. We all, we have a process. We all, we all have a process. We all know how to get things done. Some of us uh, provide better quality than others. But <laughs> I have to bring that up on the pictures, um, pictures and marketing or whatever. Yeah. But it is all about your uh, the relationship that you have. So don't be afraid. Um, it's always getting what's best for you. Yeah, yeah. I think um, probably what um, the takeaway besides the professional pictures is um, it, what kind of feeling that you feel like they're going to have for you and, and, and take care of you. And then the other thing I've been really hammering about in my YouTube videos is just be honest about what you need and what price you want. Please just get in front of it. Don't be cagey. I have had clients over the years when they list the price of, at the property, we go on the market and then we come back with an offer even at that price. And then we're like, well, I, I was hoping for more. Yeah, yeah. 
you should, I had those. You should have told me I would have just gone and got that. I, you know, I just recently had a seller. She said, no, I don't actually want to go for the list price. I actually want to get more. So we went on at that higher price. We got an offer at that price. Just tell me. And if we can't get it, we can't get it. But I need to know what you really want. You know, make sure that you're really open and honest. That's really the best way to get, get the best results is just get out there and, and, and don't be shy. Just really let them know what you need. Or let us know if you're only interested in listing your house to see if you can get that number or if you really want to sell. There's a difference. We have people who say, well, let's list to see if I can get this price. And guess what? We bring you an offer that is 100, 200,000 over. And then you're like, oh, no, I think now I want more. But you're not interested in selling. Please don't waste anybody's time. Just, yeah. You're yeah. not a seller. I've had a few people that every time I call them, the price keeps going up. And it's just like, I, I stopped calling them. It's like, well, yeah. the market stopped here and now you're moving up in here into this atmosphere where we were just done. Well, I need to jump on the next one and thank you so, so much. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun and um, let's stay in touch. Oh, thank you. Um, We'll be out in two weeks and you know, I'll, I'll send you a link too. Awesome, perfect. I'll put that up on my um, own. I can put that out of my own um, casting side too. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, thank you for listening. If you want to talk more, find me on livethesantacruzlife.com, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, or give me a call. My number's in the show notes. Love to hear from you.